Welcome to Turnaround Church. We're so excited that you've joined us here in the house, and uh, we've been having a great time so far. And if you're joining us for the first time, we are just so happy that you've taken time to watch us. Hang on. I've got an awesome message. But if you'll take a chance, take a second, and go to our website, turnaround.church, and click the I'm New tab. There's a card on there. The first one is, is online campus. The second one is I'm New. Or if you're watching on Facebook, there's actually in the description of this video, there's a link that you can fill that out. That's our e-connection card. It's a way for you to fill out a connection card. If you'd do that, that would be an honor for you to do that for us. Uh, it would be our honor for you to do that. I'm trying to get that wording right. But anyway, so welcome to uh, Turnaround Church, and we're excited that you've decided to join us. And everybody here in the house, we're happy to be with you today. Well, we started on Easter Sunday with this series. And it's called Resurrection, What's Next? We, we understand that Jesus died for our sins. His blood was shed for our sins. His body was broken for our healing. He nailed all of our sins on the cross. He was dead and buried. But then he rose again, and he rose again that we can have life. But there's another purpose. God never does anything for just one specific reason. He does things for multiple reasons. So we decided to look at what was the reason that Jesus rose from the dead. So then we went to, we understood that the purpose was, one of the purpose was the reason we did is so we could continue the work of Jesus. Jesus said, before he left the earth, he said, these works that I do shall you do, and greater than these shall you do because I go to my Father. In other words, he was saying that we're going to be able to do all the things that he did and more because he was going to the Father and he said, I'm going to send one, a comforter, going to send someone like me and he's going to come down. I've been with you. I have been in your midst. But he said, he's going to be in you. So we're going to be energized. That's why we can do. So that was the purpose. Then the next week, the second week, we went to change theology. See, we've got to learn, uh, Erwin McManus said, the church must be grounded in a proper theology of change, not simply to address the radically changing world in which we live, but to advance the cause of Christ in a world that cannot produce the real change that has to take place. In other words, we have to be the change. The world has no way of changing things to make things right. They have no no. Ain't nothing that they can do to fix this world. We have the answer. We don't do it arrogantly, but we know we have the answer, and that is Jesus Christ. So we've got to change with the society, change with the culture, and not change just for change's sake, but change with them. And because we have an unchanging God who changes everything. And then also we said where there are no dreams, there's no hope. And when there's no hope, there's no future. So we've always got to be able to dream, we always got to be able to hope, and that way we know we have a future. Then last week, we talked about we are Abe's kids. Not only does resurrection make us alive, but it connects us with a family. Galatians 3.14 says, Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles, that's us, with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus connected us to the blessing of our father Abraham through adoption. We ask, what is that blessing? Genesis 14, 19, and 20 told us that when 
Abraham had come back from defeating the kings that, that had, defeated, had taken Lot captive. He defeated the kings with 318. Five kings he took on with 318 of his farmers. You know, he's a herdsman. So he had a bunch of shepherds taking on five kings, and they defeated them and took all the spoil. And so before he could get back to where they were camped, they had camped overnight. Melchizedek shows up, and he, Abraham, Melchizedek blesses Abraham, and he said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High. And that's the blessing of elevation. In other words, God will lift us up. God says, I will raise you up. Blessing... Promotion doesn't come from the east, west, or the south. Promotion comes from the Lord. And then he said, blessed be Abram, of, of, uh, possessor of heaven and earth. So the blessing, second blessing is blessing of possession, that we have the blessing of owning things, of possessing things. We can own our own home. We can own our own businesses. We can own, we can, God gives us the authority and the blessing that we can own things. And owning things that don't own us. That's what we need to do. We need to possess things that don't possess us. We use them. The reason why we possess them is so we can be a blessing. Not just so we can have stuff, but so we can be a blessing. And then thirdly, he said, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. That's the blessing of dominion. And we talked about how David goes from being a shepherd guarding sheep because it was his job, but it wasn't just his job. It was actually his inheritance. And so when a lion came out to attack the sheep, that was his inheritance. He attacked that lion. He took the slingshot, knocked the fire out of that thing, and killed it. Then a bear came out, and he did the same thing. And so when it came to Goliath, what he was doing was was he was defending his right to be the king. He, He had already been pronounced as king by Samuel the prophet, but he hadn't taken the place. And Goliath says, okay, if we defeat you, You serve our God, and if you defeat us, we'll serve your God. And so he was saying, listen, this uncircumcised Philistine, this guy without a covenant is trying to take what's rightfully mine. God has promised me to be the king of Israel, and he's trying to take it away from us, and I ain't going to have it. Just like the lion and the bear tried to take my inheritance from my father, this uncircumcised, this guy without a covenant is trying to take what is mine, and I'm not going to stand for it. And then when he killed him, he took the head of Goliath and took it to Jerusalem where the Jebusites had taken over Jerusalem. And he stands outside the walls of Jerusalem with Goliath's head. This, just picture this. He's a teenage boy. He's got this big old head. He's hanging it up and he said, look, this is what I'm going to do to you. It's his testimony. That's why it says he will put him into your hand because when he puts the enemy in your hand, you can testify, see, this is what I will do to anybody that comes against my inheritance, that comes against my destiny. Any of you, you can talk to the devil and you say, listen, every time you defeat the devil, you can say, listen, every time you bring something against me, I will come against you and I'll defeat you because I have an inheritance, I have a destiny, and I'm anointed. That's the blessing of dominion. And then it says Abram gave a tithe of all. So we're going to finish up the series this week and we're going to show a new aspect of the way we continue the work of Jesus. And that is we're going to, we have, we have the maker's mark. We have the maker's mark. Listen, the first way we know God. All right, this is the law. Think about this. The law of first reference. 
In the scripture, there's a principle called law of first reference. So every time you see something mentioned the very first time, you can pretty much base every other thing on that. Okay? So this is the law of first reference. The first way we know God is not as our Father. It's not as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. It's not as Jehovah Shalom, our peace. It's not as Jehovah Rapha, our healer. The first way we know God as Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created heavens and the earth. In the beginning God created. So we know him as a creator first. So God is a creator. So then, go to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Huh. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Notice the yellow word created in my, on my screen here. God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them and God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth on the earth we are meant to be creators because we are made in the image and after the likeness of God so if God first is a creator and we're made in his image before we're ever known as he's ever known as our father before he's ever known as our provider, before he's ever known as our healer, before he's ever known as our peace, he is a creator and we're created in his image, so we should be creators. What does it mean to be created in the image and likeness of God or imago Dei? Imago Dei means the image of God. Like, we are like God, but we are not everywhere all the time, so we're not omnipresent. We don't know everything, so we're not omniscient. And we're not all-powerful, so we're not om, omnipotent. So we, we, ha, we are like God, but we don't have those three a- attributes. So we're not God. So people that say we are gods, and I've heard people say, well, we're all gods. No, 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 no. We are made in the image of God, and we are just like God, except we're not all-powerful and all-knowing, and we're not everywhere all the time. See, Jesus came to show us and be the example of what being the image and likeness of God looks like. What a human being on this earth filled with the Holy Spirit. When we were made alive, remember, in Galatians, it said that we were made alive, it said whatever quickens, when, when, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken or make alive your mortal bodies. We were recreated in the image and likeness of God, restoring the maker's mark in us. How many of you ever watched the Antiques Roadshow or anything like that when they, they come up with some pottery and all this kind of stuff for, to authenticate it, to find out where it's from and how old it is? They turn it either upside down or look inside the lid and there's a maker's mark there. If it's authentic, it has the maker's mark on there. And so we have the maker's mark in us. See, he didn't die for our sins just so we can stop sinning. He also made us alive and restored us to our pre-fall nature. He restored the abilities and potential Adam had before the fall. Think about this. Adam named the animals. Adam co-created with God. 
God brought the animals before him. You read in Genesis, God brought the animals before Adam and he named them. In other words, when he said, when he placed the name in them, he placed their character in them. So he named them. So God created the, the, the critter and then Adam put their character in them by giving them their name. He was co-creating with God. We have that authority to speak character and to speak into people's lives and to speak into things, into situations. We have that ability. All right. So remember we talked about the law of first reference a while ago. So we as Pentecostals love talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Spirit. Well, let me tell you, the first instance of being filled with the Spirit was not the day of Pentecost. The first instance of being filled with the Spirit was not Jesus when he was baptized in the Jordan, when the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove and the, and the, and the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I will. That's not the first time. And the Scripture says that John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. When, when Mary greeted Elizabeth, the baby leaped in her womb, was full of the Holy Spirit. That's not the first time somebody was filled with the Spirit. In Exodus chapter 35, verses 30 and 31, Then Moses told the people of Israel, The Lord has specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Listen to this. The Lord has filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. Bezalel was filled with the Holy Spirit as a craftsman. When they got ready to build the tabernacle, the Holy Spirit filled a creator, a maker, an artisan. The Holy Spirit, that's the first time anybody was ever filled with the Spirit. So that tells you that we are supposed to be creators. And if you look in the Torah, if you read the Torah in verse 32, it starts with, and has inspired him. And that word inspired in the Latin is two words. It's in, which means into, and spirare. It means to breathe or blow into. Genesis 2 verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. So in other words, the spirit is always associated with wind and breath. So the spirit, he was inspired by God. He was filled with God's spirit. The breath was blown into him. The spirit of God was blown into him. We have that same ability we have that same ability now everybody every time i talk about creativity people say well i'm not creative i mean i'm not creative okay how many in here speak the english language come on y'all speak the english language that's your primary language all right when did you learn how to speak english when you were a baby so you are a linguistic savant. You learned one of the hardest languages in the world to learn as an infant. Don't tell me you're not creative. You're intelligent. You're a linguistic expert because you learned one of the hardest languages there are to learn as a baby. Okay. Now think about this. God gave us an imagination. He gave us an imagination. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. He didn't say no mind should imagine what God has prepared for He says no mind has 
imagined. So imagination is not prohibited. I've heard that from the pulpit, that imagination is the devil's playground. I'm here to tell you that is the devil speaking right there. Because it's not prohibited or even discouraged by God. That's man. Man has discouraged imagination. In fact, imagination is encouraged by God. What did he do with Adam? He said, come on, come up with a name. So Adam had to imagine in his mind what that, the character of that critter was, and he spoke that thing. Let me tell you about somebody who has an imagination. Sharon was three or four and had a tricycle. She would get out on her sidewalk, and I, I've heard the story. I wasn't there, okay? I wasn't there, but I've heard the story from several people. She'd ride that thing on her sidewalk or on the driveway, and she'd get off of that sidewalk, and she'd say, open, open. Get out, Kruja. Get out, Jejo. Shut, shut. And then she'd get ready. She'd come up to that tricycle. Open, open. Get in, Kruja. Get in, Jejo. Shut, shut. So she made sure that the, both doors were open. So the Kruja and Jejo, I don't know where she came up with the name, but she had an imagination, didn't she? And once they were out, she made sure that both doors were shut. Let me tell you, that's an imagination. And what happens to that imagination? Life tries to steal. The enemy tries to steal imagination. from. We had imagine Something similar happened to you when you were a child. You have an imagination. Some of us just activate our imagination more than others do. My imagination is constantly going. See, Bill Johnson said, The mind becomes a canvas that the Spirit of God paints on. See, God wants us to create with Him because we are made in the image and after the likeness of God, and God wants us to be engaged in what he's doing on this earth. We are not robots standing back saying, yes, yes, master, yes, whatever you say, what, you know. We're not doing that. God says, what do you think about this situation? What do you think about this situation? See, Romans 4.17, Paul was talking about Abraham, and he said, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed. Even God, who quickeneth the dead, okay, we talked about quickening the dead, and hath call and calleth things, talking about Abram, and calleth things, those things which be as though be not as though they were. Let me start that again. And calleth those things which be not. They don't exist as if they did. In other words, Abraham was using his imagination to fire his faith. He was calling things into existence that he couldn't see. The faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's what, is, what we believe in. It's how, how we are to operate. The, the just shall live by faith. Faith requires an imagination. Faith requires an imagination. We are to use our imagination to have faith because we don't see it. We don't see what, what got the answer. We don't see what's happening. And what we do is we believe God and we say, I believe there's an, there is an answer. I know there's an answer. And I'm speaking that answer and I'm believing for it. Hebrews 11.3. This is, this is my favorite one here. Hebrews 11.3 says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed. That word frame was constructed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. That chair you're sitting on, 
It didn't exist at one time. Somebody had to imagine it. And just think, if nobody had ever imagined that chair, you're sitting on the floor. This, this building, someone had to imagine it before they could draw it up. They didn't just put their pencil down and it do it, drew it by. They had to imagine it. See, one of the things I love, and I, I got another T.D. Jakes quote, but T.D. Jakes says, listen, God doesn't make tables. He, God, makes trees. So he wants, he gives us the raw resources and we are to imagine what to do with those resources. God wants us to be engaged in creating with him. See, we, ought, we have to hear creatively and imaginatively to be able to hear God. See, when God speaks to you, he will speak to you through your imagination and your creative proclivities. In other words, the way you think the way you look at the world, he's going to speak to you that way. When we stop listening to God the way he speaks to us, when someone tells us that he only speaks a certain way, when someone says God only says this, when somebody says that he only speaks through the Bible, no, 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 no. no. See, God may just speak to them through the Bible because they have no imagination, but God can speak to us And as long as it lines up with the word of God, then it is God speaking to us. And God has a wide range of ways to communicate. God has a wide range of things, ways he can speak. So see, if you're you're limiting, if we become deaf to his voice and start speaking for him from tradition, in other words, what he said in the past, if we're not listening to him, what we're doing is repeating what he said back then. Remember, he's an unchanging God that changes everything. So we have to understand, he will do things differently in different circumstances. T.D. Jake said, you only give, get innovative opportunities when you give up on being traditional. Think about this. Back in the uh, 1700s into the mid-1800s, pastors only wore robes when they preached no matter the denomination, no matter, they all wore robes. But D.L. Moody, who founded the Moody Institute in Chicago, D.L. Moody, he was trying to reach young boys in the neighborhood that had no education, that had nobody, they were underserved. He was trying to minister to them. And what he understood was is they would not listen to somebody with a rope, so he wore just a suit. He was the first person to ever preach in just a suit. Everybody else, because it was tradition, he, they had to wear a robe. D.L. Moody says, I'm trying to reach somebody that they don't listen to somebody in a robe. They'll listen to somebody in a suit because they want to be somebody successful. So if I wear a suit that makes me look successful, these boys are going to pay attention to me. See, you've got to think like God thinks. God thinks outside the box like that. Listen, Jesus said, I only speak what I hear my father say what he's currently saying, okay? I only do what I see my father doing, what he's currently doing. So in other words, Jesus, he was in prayer every, every morning. He would get up and he would hear his father speak and he would do it. This is why when he went to heal one blind man, he spat in the guy's eyes. Okay, that's gross anyway. But he heard the father say, You spit in this guy's eyes. But then, the next time he went to heal a blind man, he spat on the ground and made mud and put mud in the guy's eyes. 
So in recorded scripture, Jesus never healed the same way twice. He may have, but the Holy Spirit didn't, didn't uh, inspire the writers to record the same way he did it the same. All we see is different ways. One leper, he touched. One leper, ten lepers, he said, as you go, he said, go and tell the priest. He didn't touch them. There were ten of them. As you, he said, go tell the, go give to the priest what is, what is required when you get, when you're healed of leprosy. And it says, as they went, they were healed. But only one of them came back. Jesus touched some lepers. See, Jesus was listening to the voice of God because the thing is, God will always address your need according to your circumstances. He will always address your need. God is a creative God. God always reaches out to people in the way that they need to hear from God. God will reach out to people where they are. God reaches out to you where you are. He doesn't expect you to get to a certain place before he re- reaches out to you. He doesn't say, well, I will, like we, th- we think, well, I've got to get myself to a certain place before I can ever go to church, or I've got to get myself to a certain place in life. Get, I've got to quit doing this and quit doing that before I can ever go to God. And God's not like that. God says, I'm going to be right where you are. I will meet you right where you are. God's not, not afraid of dirt. God's not afraid of guilt. God's not afraid of sin because nothing can stand before him. No sin can stand before him. Nothing can stand because he says, my dad always said, he said, God loves you exactly the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. What I'm here to tell you this morning is we are to be creative people. Now, not everybody's going to be painting paintings. Not everybody's going to be you know, creating these artworks, but there are things, the way you do things can be done creatively because you listen to the voice of God. Now, remember I've told you that this, is, this will start happening over the next few months or so is I'm going to start hang, putting artwork in this auditorium because I want us to see creativity. I want us to see things that have been created by people so that we can connect with God, the transcendent God, through something that's been created that He inspired. We're not going to worship the creation. We're going to use that as a point saying, look how God created. All right, I got to tell you something that happened to me uh, this week. Friday, and then again yesterday, Friday, I was working, I was tweaking this. I'd already, I mean, it had a different title. It had some other things. So I was working on this Friday afternoon, and I got, kind of got done, finished with it, and I started watching a video it's called the, the Greatest Key Change in Pop Music History. And it's a 28-minute video. A lot of y'all won't even sit through it because there's a lot of, a lot of musical uh, technicalities and stuff going through it. But talked about Celine Dion in, in uh, February of 2016 was in Caesar's Palace and was singing uh, the song that... Uh, what's the name of the song again? Uh, All By Myself. All by myself, don't want to be all by myself. So she sings that song, and when she gets toward the end of it, there is a key change that she does, and she goes up, and she hits an E flat, which is an extremely high note, and the way she does it is so creative. And so this guy was breaking it down and talking about how music, one guy said this way, music makes you feel feelings. Lyrics makes you think 
thoughts. But songs makes you feel thoughts. Songs are creative. Songs, to me, a, a musician and a singer and a lyricist, they are some of the most creative people because they can touch us. I've had my uncle say, you can, people will listen to a three-and-a-half-minute song and be preached to more than they will a 45-minute sermon. You can say more in a three-and-a-half-minute song and minister to people because they're listening, because the music is affecting them emotionally. God created us to feel music. And this is just one aspect, but this is... So I was watching this video, and I was watching them talk about the actual notes that they were using and how one of them, one of the, the uh, notes is, is a note that's called a nostalgia note. In other words, when we hit that note, it kind of gives us a, a nostalgic feeling. It's the note in White Christmas when, everybody, when they're at the end of it, when they're all gathered around in their little Santa suits and they're singing and they hold this one note. That's that E, that's that e flat, that E6 note. And it's a, a nostalgia note. In other words, it makes us feel nostalgic. The key that Celine Dion was singing in was G major. And it's kind of a bright sound. But then she was in, then they'd, they'd hit G minor, which is more of a dark sound. So there's a contrasting thing. We feel light brighter, and then we feel darker. And it's, it's just, a, God did this. God did this. <coughs> so I was, after that video, I had to go watch Celine Dion sing that song, the whole song. And she did that key change, and I broke down and began to bawl. And I said, God, you are so good. You gave us this beauty. You gave us the beauty of this music. And this is just one aspect of creativity. I'm not saying everybody's going to be a musician. I'm just saying this is how God does it. He creates things. I don't know about you, but I can drive. When we first moved to this area, I would, we would hit the Capitol of Texas Highway on the south side. We'd catch the Capitol of Texas Highway and drive around, and we were headed to Lake Travis. And we're driving along, you know, like before you get to the Pennybacker Bridge and stuff, and I'm looking at this place with all these sheer cliffs, with all this, and, and that's not even the hill country yet. And I said, Sharon, we live here. This is beautiful. I mean, I can drive 11 miles from my house, and I'll be in Wimberley, and we're in the hill country, and, and it's like, I'm just, this is just like just five miles from my house. is beauty beyond. But I'm just saying, I'm in awe of God's creation. I am moved by it. You watch, when I go back to music, you watch the little ones. I mean, toddlers. They're walking around, and you put music on, and what do they do? They start bouncing. They start moving around. We are made to move to music. God made us creative. That's why I love to dance, because we're made to move to music. I don't get to dance much very more because I just don't get to. But I used to love, when I was in high school, I was, my dad, thank God, he wasn't one of those you know, bondage preachers that said you can't do so-and-so. I got to go to the high school dances and stuff. I enjoy moving to music. I enjoy it because there's something about when you move to music. There's something about it that it just, it just brings you to a place. And that's why when we worship, I'm not great at it because I'm not that demonstrative. But at some point, we're going to have somebody that can lead us in worship that can bring us to a place that I can't. But right now, I have to. 
But worship takes us to a place. That's why, that's why we worship before we have the word. Because we worship so that we can go and we can go into the very throne room of God. And it opens our hearts up to where we can experience God and be receptive to what he wants to say. And then when I get to get up, I get to minister the word of God and open up the word of God. And I'm trying to get to be better and better at it. Because I love sharing the word of God. Because this is creative. I try to be creative. I created that, that slide. And I mean, it's not the most awesome thing in the world, but I thought it was cool. I love being creative. God wants us to be creative in everything we do. In the way you, the way you keep your house... There are creative things you do. In the way you do your job, there are creative things you do. In the way you make snow cones, there's things that you can be creative in doing. In the way, whatever it is you're doing, you can be creative in doing it. And that's how we are meant to, to, it's meant to bring fulfillment to us. We're to be creative. We're to have the maker's mark on us. That's the authenticator. They'll know we're Christians by our love, but also because... We are just like our Father. See, we are to be the most creative people. The church is supposed to be the most creative place in the world. My vision, my vision, and has been this for years. And I thought it was going to be in South Austin because that's where all the creatives, the creatives were. It didn't work out there. But my vision God has given me years and years and years ago. In fact, I started a church in a coffee shop because I felt like God, I, just, I was just trying to do what I saw. And it, I mean, <laughs> it was bad, y'all. There was some guy trying to have a conference call right there while we were trying to sing. And he was annoyed with us. But the guy that owned the coffee shop told us we could do it. So I, we were singing and stuff and he was trying to have a conference call. I'm thinking, this is Sunday. Do a conference call on Monday to Friday. But anyway, it didn't last very long. But I'm trying to be creative. I'm trying to do things creatively. I'm trying to do things outside the box. Because the thing is, I, I do a sermon called Boxing God. In other words, we limit God to certain ways of meeting needs. And I have boxes that has finances on it and boxes that has family on it and boxes that say health on it. And we limit God. We put him aside these parameters say, these are the only ways God can meet my needs. When he is unlimited, he spoke the worlds into existence and the universe is still expanding. He never told it to stop. So it's still expanding. It's still being created. God wants us to be creative. But God will meet you right where you are because he's a creative God. God wants to reach out to you. God wants to be in you. God wants to... Fulfill you. God wants to express himself to you. God wants to be with you. And listen, I believe God is ready for you to connect with him. I believe God is ready for you. He's been ready. God has been ready. He's been waiting on you. Don't wait till everything's right. It'll never happen. Listen, we're not going get to get everything right. I hate to tell you, you may think I'm perfect, but I'm not. I don't get everything right. I keep trying to tell Sharon I'm, I'm right all the time, but she keeps finding things that I'm not right in. 
But she still believes in me, so that's good. But God wants you to understand you don't have to try to get everything right before you connect with him. And if you're watching online, if you are struggling with, with connecting with God and, and you've, you've been wanting to make that connection or all of a sudden you just felt the need to, or maybe you're a creative and, and you're, you're not sure where the... And I'm here to tell you all create, creativity comes from God. Every genre of music came from God. Every architect, their gift comes from God. Everybody that is creative, their gift came from God. And if you're wanting to connect with the originator of that gift, and you want to take that gift to another level, I'm here to tell you, when you connect with God, when you are in a relationship with God, He can take that thing and fill you with His Spirit. Just imagine what you've been able to do up until now. But then being filled with the very Spirit of God, he can take you to another level where it's never, it just keeps getting better and better and better and better. But you've got to make that connection. And if that's you this morning or whenever you're watching, if you're watching on a replay, if that's you, then I want to help you connect with him. I want to help you make that decision, make that step step all it is it takes one simple prayer you say i don't know how to pray i'm going to help you i'm going to give you give you one sentence prayer and from then on you can talk to god basically you talk to god like you talk to a friend that's that's prayer you just talk to god but you talk and then you listen it's a conversation it's not a monologue it's a dialogue but if you repeat after me and just say jesus i give you my life. Come on, if that's you, just say this again with me. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, if you said that prayer with me, if you said that and you meant that from your heart, you have been born again. You have just started that faith journey, made the connection with God, the connection with the creator of the universe, the one that put all of this in place the one that inspired the technology that you're watching me on, the one that helped create everything, you're connected with him. And listen, we want to partner with you. We want to help you in your journey. I can't be, we can't be with you 24 hours a day, but we want to resource you. If you'll go to our website, turnaround.church, and click the I Just Received Jesus. It's down on the bottom. Or if you're watching on Facebook, it's actually in the description of the video. There's a link. I just received Jesus, and fill out that information, include your mailing address, and we will drop ship a book to you called 10 Steps Toward Christ. We want to give you this book to help you know what to do next. This, this is not an exhaustive book. It's not everything, and you and God are going to have to have a lot more conversation than just this one. But you, now you're going to want to. You're going to want to converse with him because you're going to hear him. And so fill that information out, put your address in there so we can drop ship that book to you and we'll send it right to you. Listen, we're so grateful that you've made that decision. If you are in the Cedar Park area, shoot, within a, an hour's drive of Cedar Park, 304 West Whitestone Boulevard with three blocks west of Bell or, or 183, you can come see it. Come be with us. We want to... 
partner with you. We want to be arm in arm with you. We want to help you. 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings, 10.30 if you want some donuts and coffee. We've got donuts and coffee at 10.30 on Sunday mornings. We want to fellowship, get to know you. But we're so grateful you made that decision. Just so grateful you made that decision. And we rejoice with you. We rejoice with you. Now listen, part of being a Christian, part of the life of God is generosity. Because God's a generous God, you know. Because John 3.16, the one that everybody knows, the one that, that Tim Tebow put under his eyes. John 3.16, it says, For God so loves the world that he gave. God's expression of love is giving. And so our expression of love back to God is giving back to him. And so if you want to participate, you want to give this morning, if you're in the house here, there's a giving receptacle back in the foyer. There are envelopes there. You can fill out the information, your name and the amount on the envelope. Put your check or cash in there. We'd be glad for you to do that. If you're watching online, if you're watching on Facebook, you can go to our Facebook page and click the Shop Now button, and that'll take you to our giving platform. Uh, again, the reason why we didn't put donate is because it goes through Facebook. They give it all to us, but it takes six months to get to us, so we'd rather have it sooner than later. But uh, if you click shop now, it'll take you to our giving platform. Just a few pieces of information. You can use a debit card, credit card, ACH, uh, whatever you want to do. Or if you just want to go to our website, turnaround.church, the slash giving, go to the giving portion, same platform. You can fill out the information. The easiest way that most of us give is we get our cell phones and we go to our messaging application and we text the dollar amount, just the dollar amount, just the number, to 84321. The dollar amount to 84321. You'll have to select Turnaround Church and then fill out those same pieces of information, credit, debit, ACH. And then once you've given, the next time you want to give, you text the dollar amount to that number, 84321, and you'll get a link with your receipt. It's just that simple. Now, we've had some people say, well, we want to give by Venmo. I said, all right, we've got a Venmo account now. So Venmo is at Turnaround Church. That's all it is. Our handle is at Turnaround Church, and you can give that way, and we would love for you to do that. If you want to just mail us a check or money order, that's fine too. P.O. Box 1506, Cedar Park, Texas, 78630. It's on your screen. P.O. Box 1506, Cedar Park, Texas, 78630. If you don't catch it before it goes away, it's on the footer of all of our pages on our website. You can get that information. Listen, we're just so glad that you have joined us today. And those of you that, that said that prayer, we are just rejoicing and we're just jumping up and down on the inside because we're so excited for you. Because this is a life that is worth the living. This is an exciting life to live for Jesus. It's not humdrum it's not dull it's not god is exciting living for god is exciting i'm here to tell you that we can live an exciting life because we serve a creative god he keeps us on our toes and he keeps us see that's what faith is all about faith is all about living life that where you don't know exactly what's going to happen next but you just know it's going to be good and even if it's bad stuff going on you know that romans 8 28 i know y'all know this scripture God works all things together for the good of those that love the Lord and are, are the called according to his purposes. God, even if it's bad stuff, God didn't cause it to happen, but he can make good things come out of it. It's not a good thing, but he can make good things come out of it. So see, it's an exciting life to live for God. Even in the bad times, we can lean on him because we can trust him. 
this life of faith, we can trust him. And so I'm excited that you made that decision. Listen, if you stayed with us this long, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're so glad that you decided to do that. Man, I'm glad you guys are here in the house because I, I would still preach if you weren't here, but boy, it sure is nice to have somebody to preach to. I'm telling you, uh, I enjoy it. So we're excited about that. So let me bless you before we go. I love to speak the blessing over you. So if you want to receive the blessing, just put yourself in a receptive posture. And I speak, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. May you know that if God is for you, who can be against you? If God is on your side, whom shall you fear? May you be like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water that your leaf will not wither. And whatever you do, it shall prosper in the name of Jesus. Amen. See you guys next time.